Hey friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 14 years, 13 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was four, and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and real estate team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Hi, friends. Uh, thanks for being here. So we we often have guests on our podcast, but our guests, we try to find people that really are living out what love the process means to us when we're looking for guests. And so we're really excited about the guests that we have today. We've got Mikey Perez. And Mikey, I just would love it if you could give us a little introduction about who you are and what you love. Of course. And first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So a little bit about me. Uh, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of nine. And, um, you know, I, I've through the process of not fitting into the schooling system and having to constantly feel like I'm from the, I'm an outsider. Um, I always knew deep inside that I had uh, the skills to, to, to be successful, but just not necessarily in a school setting. Mm -hmm. And that has over time inspired me to engineer my own solutions to my problems. And, you know, at first it was just for small stuff, you know, like just existing within the ecosystem of, of elementary and high school, but eventually those skills that I've carved, those survival skills, uh, those skills and confidence that I gained from diverging off the well-worn path uh, really translated into my, into my uh, continuing education in college and uh, even translated into my journey as a business person. Now, uh, now that I'm currently writing a book on Breaking 9 to 5, which talks about you know, my journey to this process, I'm making very interesting links between my behavior now in my business and how I dealt with my issues as a kid. So um, right now I work, uh, I have a software development, two software companies that I operate, uh, Hexa, Web, Hexa Tiger and Hecto Fox. We do web development and cloud computing respectively. And uh, that has translated into marketing where we do all sorts of social media marketing and like Google marketing where we do Google ads and organic onsite offsite SEO. And that has trickled down into doing a full-fledged PR firm where we offer complete services to people, public figures, uh, real estate agents, entrepreneurs, people who are trying to break through in their industry. And uh, we help them get covered in the news and all that. Huh, interesting. So um, tell me more about this Breaking 9 to 5. Yes, sure. Um, so Breaking 9 to 5 is essentially my own. There's Sorry. the phone. Hey, when you, uh, hey, when you're an entrepreneur, you're it's always. It's not even my phone, it's my computer. So <laughs> Yeah, so breaking nine to five is pretty much my own model of operating uh, within business. And it's the kind of model that allows you to carve the right skills and the type of skills that don't confine you to a place and location. It also puts you in the right philosophy for developing success by prioritizing what's important and putting aside what's not. Um, and in some ways it's, it's antithetical to a lot of the disciplines and mentalities you're given in college, where you're told to focus on making money, you're told to focus on finding the best paid job. Um, I focus more on offering value to those and money becomes a byproduct of a stellar service of doing something that's exceptional. And in fact, I would argue that that is the best way to make money is to plan for the long run and strategize accordingly rather than go into what seems like to be the trap of working for corporate systems. So breaking nine to five helps you put you in the right mentality for that. And also gives you actionable steps to get there. Hmm. Hmm. So it's really like a mindset. 
I, at first it's, a, well, in order to go through the process, you have to be in the right mindset. Um, because looking for, looking at it externally, it seems like a very inefficient transaction where you're constantly overworking and you're being underpaid. But that is part of the process because it's not about how much work you're putting in right now. It's about the type of model you're subscribing to. You don't want to subscribe to a model that's linear and tapers off. You want to subscribe to a model that's exponential. And when you work for these big corporations, you know, you have all these benefits, bonuses, um, you know, your, your starting salary is really good. And it's almost like a trap but you're not growing within that system, you know, 10, 15 years from now, it's not very common that people are making millions and millions of dollars. You might have a good paid salary, but you'll taper off after 300, 400, $500,000. There are exceptions, but I'm, I'm speaking in general here. Uh, I prefer to work on things that I love, the things that I'm passionate about, uh, make me see this as less of a job, more of just a journey. And at first it's really tough because you're trying to, you know, you're a single person and you're competing within a space where other parties have incredible resources. So th there are things you have to do to level the playing field temporarily. And that definitely comes at the expense of your own profits and money and time. But eventually, once you hit that inflection point, I believe my model ends up being worth it in the long run. That's awesome. So I got a ton of follow-ups on this. And Mike, yeah. and I, Mike and I, the first time we met, man, we just, we just completely hit it off in terms of our, our belief system uh, around time and proximity, finding the ability to create time, freedom of time and proximity. Mm -hmm. And, and my definition, as I've long said on this podcast, uh, my working definition of entrepreneurship is simply to trade time and money now for time and money in the future. 100%. Time and money now for time and money in the future, which is a lot what you've said too. The exponential inflection point too that you talk about. I often talk about the hockey stick on its side where it goes like, you, you, but you have to stay on the journey. You talk about it on the journey. You got to love it. And then, and then the inflection point comes. Where was it for you? And I often ask our guests who have this vision of, of that are, it's outside the box. It's, it's your process. And this is your process. Your process is breaking the nine to five. You're going to write about it. And I highly suggest anybody read it. Uh, I've read other things that you've written. You're very articulate in your writing and it's, it's refreshing and, um, and it's humbling. I write some in a blog and I'm writing a book and it's, I'm going to need some really good help to make it come across great. Thank goodness. It's the best selling authors, not the best written books because <laughs> that gives me hope. So, uh, but that being said, when was it for you when you, when you struck a vision, you know, you talked about when you're nine and, and you were diagnosed with ADHD it just called me off the wall. I'm self-diagnosed, by the way, with ADD, D, 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 D. It's a lot of Ds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> self-diagnosed. But when was it for you when you saw that vision of, of that being a, a way to go or a route? Uh, because like you said, in school, they didn't teach it to you. So where did you come up with the idea of the vision? All honesty, I never had the vision. Um, it was just a product of my own philosophy and surviving at the moment. I never envisioned to start breaking nine to five. Nine to five was never a plan. Um, it, you know, it's, I find myself building up a company, operating companies, and everyone is approaching me saying, oh, wow, that's such a unique way of doing it. Oh, you know, it's so unorthodox. And I knew something was up because when I graduated college, I wasn't taking those big, nice job offers. And I was actually looked down upon for doing so. Um, so Really, the answer to that is I never had a specific plan for doing breaking nine to five. It was more of just in hindsight when I'm looking backwards. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, rather unorthodox. And in fact, this can help people. 
Um, so yeah, it, it's, so, it's so let me press in then. So when you say so it was a survival, uh, and the reason why I do this is for our audience. Our audiences are coming from all different places, right? And, and often they can they can sometimes put themselves in your story in some way, shape, or form, and the way in which you made a decision or a choice to make to do something. And what happens is then they can make a different choice. They get hope. Uh, and so uh, one of the things that we try, we, we often want to try to do is help suspense hope and love the process. And so they get hope when they, when they can just see, okay, what is it? So survival, would you just find that as kind of the process of elimination? Like this is, this is the place that I'm in and I need to do this based on the tool set that I have or that I was born with. Explain survival more. Right. And actually, let me pivot a slight bit because I think you touched on something which which would be very good for your listeners. Um, it's all good. And, you know, when I can theoretically talk about spending a, a year carving out your skills and then, um, you know, starting your own company or your own freelance operation, you know, career portfolios. But the real thing is, is hey, someone would say, hey, Mike, you know, I got to pay rent. Right. I, uh, you know, as, as much as I'd love to invest in skills and take your breaking nine to five process, I still have to worry about things today. And the way I approach people who, who, who have a lifestyle and they want to pivot and they want to head down a direction that makes them happiest, uh, economically speaking, uh, the way I say this is you got to ask yourself really simple questions, right? We all, all of us, all of us want to be successful. We want to make a lot of money. The real question you want to ask here, that's not a valuable question. The question you want to ask is how much do you want it, right? Do you want it more than your eight hours of sleep? Are you willing to move back to your parents' house? That sounds like a crazy thing to say, but that's a luxury for people who can move back to their parents' house, avoid the immediate cost of rent, which frees them up to think longer term. Because that's what the trap is. People can't get out of the cycle because they have immediate, they need immediate return. They need to pay month, they need to pay rent for this month. So, you know, one of the steps I, I discuss is calculating exactly how much your, I call it a survival cost. Okay. So there's two things you want to do. You want to be able to find the minimum amount you need for that survival cost. So you need to find work to accommodate that, but you also want to mitigate the actual survival cost. And if you can move into your parents' house for six months, that tells me how much you actually want it because no one wants to move back to their parents' place. But if you're willing to do that, and now you have your survival cost is practically nothing because you no longer have to pay for food and you no longer have to pay for rent. And you have the world at your fingertips. So you can find out what you really like. And even if you like something that doesn't pay well, like music, or let's just say you're an artist, there are ways which you can express that in a way that that does create for your return. You can become a graphic designer. You can become an exception. You know, you have a unique mind. You see artistry in a very unique way. You can start doing graphic design, doing very unique ads and assert your value. And with that foundation, you can then sidestep and start doing the things you love that don't pay right away. So what I tell people who are just trying to head into this mode where they want to break out of whatever cycle they're in. You need to first strategize and you need to look at the job that you're currently in that's not making you happy as just just a means to an end. And you want to have a plan, concrete plan, because your plans are it's, it's your highway to success. You want to have actionable steps. You want to constantly. It's OK if you don't always meet them, but you want to be recalibrating all the time. So, uh, yeah, that is my advice to people who are trying to start this process, who feel like they're just drained out by their current lifestyle. That's awesome. So let me let me kind of paraphrase what I'm hearing. I'm hearing first is the question, the simple question, are you happy in a job you're in? Because as I researched your work, one of the things that I saw was the idea that you think this isn't for everybody. This is not for everybody. And so, so as you reverse engineer, the first question comes down to, am I happy? Am I happy in the current job I'm in? 
So if the answer to that question is, I don't think so or no, then from there, you your question that you're asking is, how bad do you want to change your situation? How bad do you want to change your hunger? I use this word as often I use is, is are you hungry? I love guys that are hungry. And it's, it's one of the interesting things. It's the hardest thing to train in my experience uh, is hunger. So then you're asking how hungry are you? And then you tangibly can give people actionable steps to quote unquote prove hunger. You know, what are you willing to live on? How little are you willing to live on? Have you seen this show called uh, undercover billionaire? No, I have not. No. Okay. It's on HGTV. Actually the next, so since season two and they, they say billionaire, but it's really not. Uh, I mean, it's billion dollar companies. The guy that was just on season one sports about 500 million. So he puts a million of his own dollars up to be landed in the middle of nowhere with a hundred bucks, a truck and a cell phone with no contacts. And his goal in 90 days is to build a million dollar business in 90 days and he, in, in, in the middle of nowhere. And, and it was interesting. The first guy, uh, who was on the show, Grant Cardone airs uh, today or some, yesterday is the second uh, uh, person they're having on there. And, um, but his first thing he did was calculate in Erie, Pennsylvania, what his survival costs would be. Huh. First thing he did, exactly what you described. It's a phenomenal show. I, I highly encourage listeners to, to, to check it out. Um, it's a fascinating concept and it really highlights the entrepreneurial possibilities that the American dream, if you will, uh, is alive and well, if you want it, if you want it bad enough. You know, and that comes to show that you can strip away all the knowledge we have about entrepreneurship and start fresh. And we'd likely come to many similar conclusions about the process of getting there. Um, and, um, you know, it is, it's all about giving up what's short-term for long-term benefits. And, and, you know, that's cliche in some sense, but it takes a certain sense of confidence, stubbornness, and grit to go through the process and not give up. Can you, so can you expand on this idea as well? I totally agree. Can you expand on this idea? And that's, you're giving our listeners just gold. That's why we do this. I love it. I'm taking massive notes. Um, career portfolio concept you've used a couple of times and it, that I read you talking about, you know, a career portfolio. How uh, can you describe that kind of working definition? Yeah. It's just a fancy way of saying having a diverse set of skills and, and multiple streams of revenue. So, you know, when it comes to carving the skills, the kind of, the kind of skills you should flock towards are skills that have many applications in different disciplines and that are malleable. Because, you know, back in the you know, 70s, 80s, you wanted to find a good job. What you would do is simply look at what the economy is paying best for. You'd say, oh, you know, being an electrical engineer, it pays the most. You go to school four years, become an electrical engineer, hone in on a very specific and discrete set of skills. And that gives you stability for the rest of your life. The problem here is, is that we're reaching this point where the growth of technology is growing exponentially. And it's becoming very hard for us to have that predictive power of what will be promising in the future. And at some point, you know, say, hey, maybe 30, 40 years from now, uh, you know, we might, these jobs might be obsolete, but th that number is decreasing. And I'm saying maybe in just a few months from now, and it's becoming chaotic in some sense. So the reason why I suggest that we have a career portfolio is that we adapt malleable skills so that you can easily adjust to an ever-changing environment. And it's just, and it's, and it's, it's catastrophes like COVID that really help us uh, stress test our ability to adapt. And some of us are found, you know, and there are some jobs like, you know, restaurants obviously that have a hard time surviving, but some people are flourishing during these times and they're doing really well. And it's not because, you know, sometimes their job might be really locked into the market, but also they can adjust really quickly.
right? I've been able to adjust really quickly. So web development has been down, no question about it during this pandemic. And that was a big part of my revenue. But I'm actually doing really good because I'm able to pivot and have other skill sets. And people are looking, so now people aren't investing directly in, 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 in like web development, but, they, but they're planning for what's gonna come after COVID. Yeah. Some yeah. of them are doing in marketing investments. So the point here is that you wanna have skills that a adapt that are that are have multiple applications on multiple disciplines. Programming is a good example because you can be programming apps, you can be programming websites, you can be doing data analysis, data science. There's there's a multitude of applications, but also you also want to be able to have the type of skills that you can constantly be pushing forward into different markets. Starting off as a programmer myself, I'm constantly inching outwards, data communication, hosting, then pushing outwards into marketing, uh, you know, communication, text, uh, you know, doing branding, then doing content writing, journalism. Um, it's constantly, it's it's almost like I have a natural push forward. And um, it's what keeps things exciting, first of all. And it's what keeps things relevant as well. Because really establishing yourself, uh, and, and, and also I want to take a slight step back here and talk about the types of work models you want to adapt to. You want to adapt to work models that aren't directly mapped to energy. Kind of think of it as, uh, you know, you're in college and you take, you know, four courses and you're fine. And then all of a sudden you take five courses. And every course you took becomes exponentially harder mm-hmm. because you're no longer able to map your, your, your attention span, your energy to the course load required. It doesn't scale. So I like to, to subscribe to work models that, especially in the beginning, and, those, and these are usually slow models, but I like to adapt to models that don't map to energy. It might take a week, two, three weeks of all my energy to set it up and get it running. But once I'm done that preliminary step, I want my attention span to be free 99%. So I can allocate that elsewhere. And for example, my, you know, hosting might take a day to set up a server, might take a week to set up a server and that's fine. Right. Once you set up the server, you put one person on it. You get that first person who you initially had to set up the server for. Um, it doesn't take you twice as much work to put a second person on. In fact, it takes you almost zero work. And you can put a hundred people on the server and now the server is full. You want to make another server. You already have it set up. You replicate it on another server. And this is an next, this is a growing model because whether I have a thousand people or two people on the server, to, to maintain it takes practically no work. And it's the same process over and over. So this way I have residual income. It starts off only being a few dollars. And this is what I'm trying to say that some of these models are really slow. You only make only just a few dollars, but eventually you have enough to meet your survival cost. And that's this critical point here for my model. Once you can, once you can reach your, your survival costs with the least amount of energy, let's just say for me, it was hosting. Now I am completely free to entertain and engage with higher risk, higher reward endeavors. And I can focus on offering quality, on building my network and creating the types of foundations that I need for real success to make real money in the long run. So that survival cost is kind of like a hurdle you have to get through. It's ugly, it's dark, it can take you even two, three years to get there. But once you're there, you're in a much better place. What do you, so totally, can you, can you talk about your travelpreneur? Yeah, sure. Because that is, uh, you know, your that time and proximity, mm-hmm. having survival costs met, you know, and survival to me, I call it the four corners. You know, I, I use a four corners analysis, you know, and it's typically your your housing, food, you know, your your heat and and water and, and electricity. You know, I, I think you put transportation in there, uh, depending on what, what you're in. If you're in tech, I mean, and, and you might not need a car and, and you can even cut that cost out. But whatever the, the travel cost. So once that's set, um, now you've got this travelpreneur thing going. Yeah. Right? 
Tell us about what. Tell us about that because we love adventure here. At, yes, we do. The so the word travelpreneur is just a mix of entrepreneur and traveler yeah. uh, smashed together. <laughs> it's fascinating. Uh, I mean, did, did somebody do you have the uh, URL or somebody else travelpreneur.com? That seems. Like uh, I actually think we did have that, um, but I think it's just breaking nine to five. I was really happy to jump on that domain. I like it. I so, like. It. I like uh, it. Yeah. So now it's becoming more of a, a lifestyle, but it's also becoming a news system where we're just creating content that offers high value to listeners. But on to the entrepreneur stuff, because there's a lot to say here. Uh, so, you know, people, some people find the coolest part of my life is the fact that I'm constantly traveling. And I tell them, honestly, that's the least cool part of my life, right? <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's nothing by a byproduct of doing things correctly. It's like I told you, like the kind of skills I have don't tie me down to place. They don't tie me down to time. So I'm completely free to get to wake up in the morning, flip a coin, find the cheapest flight on Google flights, put my top, flip a coin, one or two, boom, head to that location. Literally like three hours later, that has happened multiple times. I spent six months in Hawaii just doing that. So, um, you know, you definitely want to find your you don't, you don't want to have to worry about working for anyone. You don't want to have to worry about being at any office. Um, you want to find malleable, you know, you know, uh, skill sets. And then when you get to travel around, um, you also want to be able to understand how your finances work, how credit cards work, because that stuff is important. Um, you know, it, it, here at some point, you're wasting time constantly trying to save money. It's easier to make more money than it is to start nickel and diming and saving money. But at first, you definitely want to understand how credit cards work. You want to get the right credit cards. You know, every year, every six months, I invest in new credit cards. I max out the points and then I move on to, you know, I keep my next my next uh, credit card to be the primary one. Um, I understand how, you know, I, I used to take advantage of as when I didn't have money and I was traveling as much as I could, I was reaching out to, let's say, Facebook groups and finding out which college students are away for the next two, three months and they want to sublet their apartment. I would just jump in there for, for two, three months and, you know, much cheaper than paying for a hotel for that for that extended period of time. Um, you know, I, in, in that case, I was able to buy groceries instead of having to go to a restaurant. But, um, you know, long story short, traveling is really, really good because it's constantly exposing me to new spaces. And when I'm constantly exposed to new spaces, there's very little amount of repetitive meeting the same people over and over. So I'm constantly meeting new people. I'm constantly expanding my network. I'm using tools like Bumble Biz, a meetup. So when I would travel to a new space, even within an area, so like I would live in a certain place in the chain Hawaii, and then I would move to another area for three, four months. And every single morning I would meet up, see what's in, what's up, what's on the meetup app, any, any recent meetups. I would walk in there, shake hands, get LinkedIn, meet some people, and it might be a little rude sometimes. I'd leave after 10, 15 minutes, but I would, you know, that's that's what I do, right? I would go meet people and leave. And then this way, I'd meet all sorts of connections, especially in places like Hawaii, where you have business people coming in there, just trying to create moments, having a good time. And, you know, I capitalize on that. So, you know, places like Las Vegas, places like Hawaii have been really good for meeting people. Um, also, keeps me motivated. I'm constantly exposed to new spaces. I'm constantly excited to explore something new. And that has definitely kept me motivated. And it's essential because being successful in business is not just being successful in business. It's about working out. It's about taking care of yourself. It's about being successful in every aspect of your life. And I think staying happy and motivated is essential to that. So traveling has definitely helped me in retrospect. And, um, you know, you want to learn how to hack it out. You want to learn how to find the best prices. You want to learn how to keep things to a complete minimalist lifestyle. So like I, you know, at some point I was able to pack everything I owned in two school bags. And that was, it was good for me because, you know, I, I bought really high quality things, but I invested in only things that were essential and had multi, multiple uses. So uh, getting a really good laptop, you know, getting, you know, whatever it was, I was always constantly 
throwing away things I didn't need and doubling down on things I did need. Yeah, just to, just just yesterday. So I, like I said, I, I teach I teach leadership to our kids three days a week, and uh, uh, or maybe I didn't say that. Uh, I was on another piece of content. I don't know, but but I teach our kids leadership three days a week, and we have an eleven year old and an eight year old and a five year old, and the two year old tiger is not quite old enough to, to check in yet. But but once you're five, you're in leadership class, and and so I'm a leadership teacher, and. The kids were uh, yesterday. The three topics we were on. Uh, one of them was exactly what you you referenced. Uh, we went through uh, the idea of, of how to win friends, and influence people, uh, and and my idea is people are like oh, tell your kids you know don't talk to strangers. I'm like bull crap. I want my kids to talk to everybody. First advice, but it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to everybody. Get to know them. Get be interested. Ask them what they're up to. That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. That's yeah, you got them. Well, our kids. <laughs> I don't want to agree with it, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, we, our kids can 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 engage. Will engage you. They will. Uh, they will bring you on your defenses. And and ultimately, the point of that is is then you can help people, right? The key is the key is to help people. And right. when people are when you're traveling, I think that's a space where people are often have their defenses down somewhat. You know, the other spot right. can put, right. put cost you time and energy. Can be the, could be the bar or whatever in a hotel you know, um, whatever it might be, you 100%. know, yeah, but getting those conversations that are, are, are just off the cuff. I just had one today. I just had one today. So it's out in West Seattle and, uh, I go to the Starbucks on a flyer after I just happened to be at this house we were at. It was like a block that we we're looking at. This house is like a, a block from my grandpa's old house. So I'm like, I gotta go take a pick. I gotta take a pick. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I didn't eat yet today. I was transmit. What do you call that thing when you don't eat for a while? There's like a fasting. Yes, that's that's it. See, I'm not that smart. Okay, but trans yeah, that thing. So I was doing that, and I hadn't eaten until like it was almost noon or whatever. So I'm like, I only go to Starbucks, drive through, get something to eat. So I'm 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 about to pull into Starbucks. There's this guy that I'm an acquaintance with. I'm an acquaintance with him. I've known him and I know of him, and but I haven't seen him in a while. He's like, what are you doing, Joe? What's up? We start talking. And uh, and he's in real estate, and then he just partnered with a guy, and they bought a real estate office, so now they have a bunch of real estate agents the guy he partnered with is a national keynote speaker he's leaving next week to go to go speak in napa on in real estate and so we started talking about love the process and he's like here's my card let's get on a zoom call we got to get you in i didn't know you were going this route you know i know what you guys had going on but now we're as we're, we're starting to serve um people with love the process as an idea just and it's so mary's breaking nine to five you know, and I think of, I think of ecosystem, I think of ecosystem, I think of, of, of the Michael Perez, the Mikey Perez's are just absolute know. critical step. Loving the process is a tenant of making breaking nine to five successful because that's the hardest part. It's going through the journey of getting there. Um, yeah. There's a huge sacrifice in the beginning. And if you love the process, I mean, you're, you're practically done the equation. Because, because what you can do is exactly, you could do the things that are hard in the short run with the vision that that is the journey, you know, instead of, Oh, I don't have it yet. And like you said, it starts small and it starts slow and, and the discount, the, the progress that you've actually made. And you talked about it, the inflection point, right? right. Where like the compound effect, the magic, if you will. And uh, so that's awesome to hear you, you, you've been on that journey. There's and also like that journey is not just like, a, it's not like you just need to get over it. Those are, you're carving those skills that you need that are essential for the future. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's it's in that process where you're completely under you, you know you're put in a place where where you're being outcompeted by people with significantly more resources than you and you have to find a way to level up to that um, that process in itself is teaching you how to work when you have a disadvantage and that is a skill that you're constantly reusing um, throughout your career and it's not just even your professional career I mean you know it's kind of why I admire people who work out so often it takes a certain kind of discipline to learn to love the journey of working out every day and even when you're super tired you know it's like I have to work out today, right? Today's Wednesday. Today's, you know, this day for that. And um, I admire, I think it's a very similar discipline to becoming a successful entrepreneur. You're constantly honing in away at your skills. And you're also, you know, another element to this equation here is complacency. I think being complacent and getting comfortable with the process is the death of you. And if you ask anyone who works out, they'll tell you that every six months or so, they're constantly redoing their workout routine because their body adapts it gets complacent it understands what it's expecting and it you know it doesn't give you the same results and i think that works that translates to business as well where you know you're constantly supposed to be throwing yourself in areas where you feel like you're the smallest person there and you feel like you have so much to learn from everyone around you the second you feel like you're a king in your area that's when you stop learning and that's when you stop growing and um especially in places like tech where you know you spend three four months learning a language and then this you know the second you get comfortable you know, you're like, okay, now I can start doing really good. You want to move on to the next language because technology is progressing so quickly. So yeah, you know. That's why I love traveling so much is it keeps you outside of your comfort zone. Right. Your toes. And you hone in and you're carving those those social skills, you know? Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so what I heard you say, I'm going to paraphrase too. I'm going to say comfort's the enemy. I think you said comfort's the enemy. I'm going to say that. That's what I heard you second. The yeah. second one you said though that I thought that I think is really good I hit on comfort's the enemy all the time. It's supposed to be hard. We talk about Complacency is the death of you. That's that's how I phrase it. Yeah. It's a killer. I, I wrote complacency is a killer is what you what you said there. And and then the idea of level up, right, is reach, reach. And, you know, we have all kinds of listeners, dual genders, ethnicities, and across the board in age, listening to the Love the Process podcast. And, and, you know, one thing that I really, really encourage, I have three daughters and one son. We have three daughters and one son. <laughs> Adrian had them. I know for sure that she has three daughters and one son. Okay. She hates it when I say that. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> but, but so, you know, watch them all come. So, but the, the girls, the girls, there's a study out there right now that says the average female applies for a job that she's 125% qualified for, while the average male applies for a job that he's 85% qualified for. There's this reach gap. It's tremendous. I was talking with the CEO of Progressive Insurance, Trisha Griffith, two years ago uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And, and we were talking about this. And, and she has a number of kids, six kids and a number of daughters. And she said it, it was there's a point in her career when she's – and so I just want to kind of work this through to where you continue to reach and, and find your way reaching. But she was 15 years in, and, and the director of HR job came available, okay? And it came available, and she felt like, no, there's no way. But she had people in her world – and I also want to kind of hear who's in your world because I think it does matter who's around you that, that allows you to, to, to reach up and, and to believe or vice versa that pulls you back down or that says, no, man, you're good where you're at. Because that's the key is that, is that somebody says, hey, let, let's go. Let's go. We said we we're going to go. Let's go. Whatever. For me, for sure, I need that. And so she said she had two people in her life who said, you got to apply for that job. And right. so she did. And so she did. And she got the HR director position at Progressive Insurance 15 years ago. And had she not applied for that position, 
there was no way that she would be the CEO of Progressive today. It was a keystone in her career. Yeah. So, it's important to be around people who who have a very have similar aspirations than you. Uh, like living in the financial district in San Francisco, I was living with a bunch of startup, you know, nerds, 19, 21, the house was an incubator, everyone were engineers, just pounding away. Uh, it was very motivational and it was inspiring. And I constantly felt like, I liked that stress of constantly feeling like I'm behind, I have to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably why I'm slightly addicted to school because I, I, I was I fell in love with the process of learning so much in so little time. Um, that, you know, when you're cramming in your whole semester's worth in like two weeks, you know, it's like that stuff, I felt more alive than ever. And and as much as I hated it being in the moment, I missed it the second it was done. <laughs> do, um, do you feel like that competitiveness, do you feel like that's in everybody? Um, not really. I mean, and, and I don't even look at it as a good or a bad thing or as if it's a choice. I, I really don't think that my lifestyle was a choice. Um, I don't take credit for it whatsoever. Like, you know, when it comes, and this comes down to the question of, you know, is breaking nine to five for everyone? It's not, right? There are people who, who you know, there are those people, and I was, I was talking about this the other day, there are those people who, you know, they finish their, their job at, you know, 5.30 on a Friday, and you call them, ask them a question, they go, oh, I don't have access to my work email, I'll, you know, I'll talk to you Monday. And the, the, for those people, like, they like structure, they like working for a company, they have stability, you know, they work from nine, they come home at five, they kick it back, they enjoy their their night, the beer, watching the game. And for them, that's a sense of fulfillment, right? But for some people, there's an emptiness that comes with that lifestyle. And um, for those kind of people, I would recommend this kind of lifestyle. For for the people who like kicking it back and watching the game nine to five and, you know, work is work and personal life is personal life. And there's a very clear cut distinction and they make sure there is no uh, intersection between the two. Um, for those kind of people, I would tell them this is the worst idea you'd ever want to ever do is what I'm doing right now. You'd be miserable. Okay. And, it's not, you know, as much as I, the illusion of choice is there where I wake up in the morning and I can say, you know, what the F am I doing? Why don't I just get a normal job like everyone else and just live a normal life? Because People go crazy. They can't date me. I'm always busy, you know, but then, you know, I'm just like, I, I, I wouldn't be happy any other way. I'd be miserable. So to be honest, it's an illusion of a choice. And, and I'm not responsible for what fires in my brain to say that, oh, yeah, I can't wait to do this. It just is who I am. So, you know, I don't think it's in everyone. And I don't think it has to be in everyone. And I don't think it should be in everyone. I think that some people are happier doing other things. Uh, to me, um, you know, I'm almost addicted to the process and I don't see being happy any other way. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. What are you working on right now, Mikey? What are you right now? No. What's a, what's a typical week? Right, right. So every six months or so, you know, three to six months, I'll pick a place to occupy 25% of my attention and I'll build on that. So whether I'm building an app, whether I'm learning a new set of skills um, for this past year, I've been really investing myself in, in understanding how PR works and understanding how journalism works. They're similar skill sets with underlying almost mutually exclusive philosophies. But um, for the past year, I've been working on helping um, individuals, uh, public figures really get in the spotlight, building networks, connecting, capitalizing on tools like link, like social media systems like LinkedIn and just really pushing myself outwards because especially during the pandemic, I'm not able to do a lot of the stuff I used to do to network. I have a very, like some people say, oh, Mikey, you probably don't notice the difference. You're in the pandemic. You're, you know, you're working all the time anyway. It doesn't really matter. In fact, I say I'm probably having it harder than you. You know why? Because I do this all the time, but, but I survive because I've got an aggressive counterbalance, right? I have to go out at night. I have to meet up with people. I have to be able to hit meetups every morning at 10 a.m. or else this becomes really hard to do. 
Um, so, you know, in order to compensate for the fact that COVID has, you know, kept me indoors, I'm trying to do networking outside, doing meetings all the time. I'm, I have like my calendar every morning. I wake up in the morning and I have a whole bunch of meetings for 15 minutes. They're like snap meetings and I love them. I do them every single day. I never used to do that before. Um, so, you know, right now I'm learning, working on PR. I do believe my next step would be investing to start working on investments, start making healthier investments. And then eventually I think I want to work as invest as an investor in companies. And it's almost like hindsight is 2020 where I never worry about things too far ahead. When I look back, it's almost like I did know where I would be and I was carefully planning for it. Like right now I'm so focused on building my network, reaching out to business owners, building relationships with entrepreneurs, helping companies grow by giving them the pro proper publicity they need. It's almost like that is the, all the infrastructure I need to eventually become an investor. The thought of me becoming an investor just popped in my head like two months ago. And it seems very natural for me to head in that direction. So I do believe I want to work on PR for another two, three months. Then I want to start transitioning to start making, making investments myself. And then I want to start transitioning into being an investor. That's awesome. You, you're so, um, you've got such a plan and a process mm -hmm. uh, and discipline to the approach. Uh, I think that's awesome. You know, yeah. if you don't mind, I'm going to press in and ask a couple other questions on this. Sure, from, sure. So people can, with Mikey, you really understand like, where's Mikey coming from? What Do you have any belief systems? I mean, obviously, you know, we're on this plan. Like, do you have a belief system that guides you in any way, shape, or form? Like, you did research on me to ask that question. Like, you must have read out my Jewish identity or something. Uh, yeah, because that's, no, that's that's a heavy question. I know. And I don't normally ask it. But <laughs> so, so I mean, if you listen to our podcast, I don't normally, I don't normally go. But but just, just as linear as you are and just as focused as you are, I think it it's just, um, I would be remiss to not go, Hey, where's Mike, where, where are you coming from in terms of just like, like am I religious? Do I, you know, well, sure, any, whatever, you know, right. it's, a, it's actually a conversation that, that I, I generally avoid, but I'll gladly answer it. Um, so I grew up Orthodox Jewish and, uh, like I'm talking hardcore. So, uh, you know, in terms of my beliefs, I think what guides me, uh, it's something deep. I don't really understand it, but it definitely, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a religious person at all. Yeah. Um, you know, Without getting too much into that, I wouldn't say I'm a very religious person, but I'm very traditionally and culturally proud of my identity. Um, I definitely have strong values that have been ingrained in me as a kid, and I definitely can give credit to my religious upbringing for a lot of good, and yeah. my parents and family and all that. Um, you know, I, I've been asked this question before, and I never give a straight answer, and I think it's because I don't have one. And I, you know, I don't really know, I don't have a deep underlying philosophy, but I do love helping people and giving value to people. Um, I also don't really care very much about money. I don't, I never have. Um, I never buy myself expensive things. Uh, you know, I do when I need to, but yeah, I see how excited people get over material things. And I clearly see a huge disconnect. It's a chasm of a disconnect. I love the process, the process of getting there. I'm completely addicted to the process of getting there. It's almost like I just want to show what I, what I can do, what I'm capable yeah. of. Yep. Um, I don't care about the end result. I really don't. Yeah. So, you know, I think what drives me is just, is just a deep urge to understand who I really am and what I'm really capable of. Have you ever seen a Snoop Dogg uh, acceptance speech? No, I haven't. Epic. He goes, I'd like to thank me. Yeah, oh, I did see that. I did see that. For believing in me, right? He goes, for <laughs> putting in the work. When nobody's watching and nobody cared, he just goes off. And it, but it's but it's powerful though. Yeah, it's important 
concept to to instill like everybody here's what we what i believe i believe everybody ha- is is different every you, you've said it too i mean some of us might want this particular process of breaking nine to five and some of us might just want the nine to five and have a couple beers and and, right. go to bed and then get up in the morning and, and and go to work again and then on saturday watch the football game and kick up and Sunday, maybe get some chips and dip and bring some friends over and then and then be bummed because Monday's coming again and then humpbacks here, you know, and then oh, finally Friday. Like some people might want that. I'm not that way either. I'm not the wired that way and never have been at all. Never at all. But but what you what you're alluding to that's so important is that is that you have a deep belief in your ability. And I don't care what somebody believes in. Bet on yourself. Right. And, and that, that, that I definitely resonate with that statement significantly because as a kid, I was constantly felt like I was just, I was put down in some sense where like every time the teacher would come in to do math, I'd have to go to the special room. Um, every time the teacher would come in for English, I'd have to go to the special room. Uh, it was very embarrassing as a kid popping those Ritalin pills uh, every morning at like 10 a.m. where I would do it like in the secretary's office because you would have to see that I take it and everyone would be walking by and see me. And it's a small community in Montreal. So everyone, we all knew each other, uh, especially within our school. I also felt the way I thought as a kid in school, because in school, you're rewarded for structure and discipline. And I don't have anything against the schooling system, to be honest, because my question to anyone who's going to criticize it is, what would you do differently? Like, what would you change? Are you going to start organizing people by IQ? I mean, that doesn't sound too good, right? How else would you form it? I think the schooling system works for most people. I unfortunately just didn't fit in it at all. But in a way, there's a silver lining where I carved skills that translated to everything I did forward. But, you know, to put that in, you know, just to add to your point here is that I bet on myself because I knew deep down that there's something that they don't understand. And I think the real key here was that I built confidence when diverging off that well-worn path. Because I'll tell you why. At first, it started off with really small things, but then eventually it allowed me to take much bigger leaps, much bigger tangents, and still be able to weather the journey because it's worked out every time before. And it's, and I think that led into me being able to put myself in environments where I'm doing things that most people wouldn't. And I was able to weather the process long enough to see results while other people might decide to give up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, betting on yourself is essential because to me, how I see it is you're doing what people are putting you down for doing, not necessarily explicitly, but they're telling you, no, Mike, this is the way you want to do it. This is the way you want to do it. It doesn't make logical sense. I wouldn't do that. Michael, I, I wouldn't work five times harder than me once you graduate for getting a tiny salary of 20,000 measly dollars, right? Just that I wouldn't do that, right? But I decided to do that. And I was looked down upon it because I was willing to weather it out. So, you know, to make my point here, I, I do think I do think that it's the only, you've got to bet in yourself and it's okay that you're wrong, but you've got to be willing to do things that you believe are true, even though other people are constantly telling you otherwise, even if they have good intentions. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I just, I really hope that sinks in to anybody listening. I, I believe that's a universal hope. I believe, you know, I talked about dispensing hope earlier. It, it, that in any dark scenario or any circumstance, regardless of what it's like, because that's what you talk about is, is just believing it is going to and seeing it and starting to get the proof, right? But at some point at the front end, there is no proof. You're going on a, you're going on theory and going on what you studied and going on what you believe and going on what, you, but kind of reverse engineering yourself to what, where can I win? That's that's an awesome concept that I hope really sinks in 
because I, I really believe in how uh, you're in your you're in the twenties, right? You're in your twenties, Mikey. How old are you? Turn thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Thirty. Getting old. Yeah, I just turned thirty. Okay, okay, but but I, but right there. I mean, you got all the world. You got all the time in the world, right? And so, but 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 so you've but you've lived through this era of what maybe a college just really freshly lived through the era of what a college student would live through or a would-be college student or or a recent grad who who like you said everybody's saying get this job and there's all this social pressure right to to do this or do that right but you're 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 living proof at 30 that you can go a different route you can carve your own path and you can be happy doing it and that, and and ultimately you'll find satisfaction and, and I love what you say. I believe this too of an, any addiction. You said addicted to the process. I think, you know, and you talked about uh, ADD and kind of, you know, they perceive it as a liability. I guarantee you, I go see somebody right now, they will diagnose me. Okay. I was, my mother suffered my whole life from mental illness in and out of the psych ward. I was a ward of the court when I was seven. So I know firsthand, you know, the this, this, this stigma of mental illness, if you will, or whatever they want to call it. But my thing is, man, I will get, I'll take that same obsession and put it to doing something good. So I like to say exactly what you're doing. Become addicted to doing good. And that's what you're, I mean, you're living proof of that. You're living proof of if all the things you said are true. And I believe they are from every conversation and interaction that I've seen with you is that I want to add value. I want to help people. I want to serve. I want to use what I've been given because my guess is, I mean, there's a bunch of them swimming and you got home. Okay. Like, <laughs> but, but there's, it, there, there's one thing we know for sure. It's pretty lucky to get born. Okay. If right. you study that, if you study that odds, all of them, it's pretty lucky to get born. So you got here and then you got born in America, right? Or somewhere. Canada. Canada. That's right. Canada. Canada is 20 miles away from America. Right now is a pretty good spot to be. So, um, Oh, Canada. So, and I'm not, I'm not going there anytime soon because they ain't gonna let me in anyway. But the fact of the matter is, um, you, you got born in a, in a, in a, in a free, you know, Western country. Couldn't agree more. Where you had opportunity. And then from there, from there, you, you started to learn from your circumstances and things and events that happened. And that is a concept that's universal that, you know, I think McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey was talking uh, recently or, or maybe a few years back where he says the process of elimination, you know, so often it's like, what's your purpose? What's your purpose? And then you actually, through the schooling system, Gary V could experience this too. He probably would say the same thing through the schooling system. I learned what I wasn't supposed right. to do. You know, I learned though that wasn't it for me. Spot on. And my parting words for people would be first do what you love and then find a way to make money. I think that's a more stable process than making money and then worrying about falling in love with it. Um, mm. Because you want to get both ultimately, and I, and I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it works bidirectionally. I think, I think when you first discover what you love, and you become, because when you do what work that you love, you put a lot more heart into it, and you get better results. But you also find a way to be unique and creative, right? And, the, and when you offer something that's unique and creative, it's harder for others to compete with you. It's harder for others to diminish your value just by the base on the basis of supply and demand. And when, you, and when you offer unique value, that's how you find yourself locked in a good position. So um, yeah, those are my parting words for people. That's perfect. I love that. 
It's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. If people want to get to know you more or find you, how can they find you? Oh yeah, sure. They can find me on Facebook at Mikey Perez, M-I-K-E-Y-P-E-R-E-S. Same for Instagram, LinkedIn. It's Michael Perez, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-P-E-R-E-S and my website, michaelperez.com. Perfect. Timeline on the book. Yeah. Uh, Three weeks. Wow. And hey, nearly done. If you want the blue check mark, Mikey's your guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 If you need help with PR and yeah, it's definitely say hello. <laughs> Three weeks? Three weeks? Yeah, it's nearly done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna need a follow-up. We might need a follow-up. I'll send you. I'll, I'll send it to you um when it's done. Awesome. 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 I, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it. Break sure. in nine to five dot com. Uh Mike Mike com for news as well. Um ParisPR.com services. Got to be a best-selling author. Best selling one day. <laughs> one day. In the mold. That's awesome. We're and just- again, thank you guys for the opportunity to speak to you. I really appreciate it. And it's a pleasure connecting. I love your guys' energy. I love your message. And keep up the great work, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Let's go. Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. It means so much when you leave us a review and share with your friends. Bye.